It's become so hot, the heat is unbearable. It's of course affecting, to begin with, skin and hair. I have been realizing that even if you catch a cold or cough, it tends to stay longer. Due to the change in climate, I am feeling feverish and there's constant coughs, tiredness, lethargicness. Health-wise, if I talk about this North India is majorly viral fever ka season hai and cough and cold. Ka hai. Even I have got one. I have been taking homeopathic medicine and it helps me a lot to cover my immune system. And because of that, uh, the percentage of falling sick has gone low. A lot of people around me catching cold and cough, including people in my family. And I have been also, uh, you know, victim of the same. This could very well be you and me. An erratic weather pattern is taking its toll on our health. For instance, rainfall in Himachal Pradesh, which broke its 100-year-old record this year, is leading to an increase in cases of scrub typhus, a bacterial disease that leads to headaches, fever, joint pain, body aches and shivering. The state has recorded over 1,000 cases, twice the number recorded last year and 15 deaths so far. Further north in Nepal, there's an increase in cases in dengue fever caused by mosquito bites. Across geographies, people are fighting unseasonal fever, cold, cough, dengue and frequently. So what's really happening? Well, the answer may lie with climate change. Rising global temperature is changing the rules of the game for all of us. But the question is, will we be able to contain global warming? Or will climate change negate all the progress we have made in dealing with infectious diseases? Is there a way out? Can we adapt and stay protected? We get answers to all these questions from experts on the field Dr. Jaya Sridhar, a consultant with the World Health Organization and media health advisor for Internews. With global warming, we're finding that mosquito habitats are extending outward from the so-called tropical regions towards the colder temperature. Dr. Umesh Bharti, an epidemiologist from Shimla, Himachal Pradesh. We can't keep on looking at the government and government policies and then say, and Dr. Chandrakant Laheria, an epidemiologist and public health specialist. Climate change is a major contributor to emerging diseases. Every passing day, we are closer to another outbreak or epidemic or pandemic than we were previous day. There is a risk of approximately 15,000 new viruses, bacteria and other pathogens emerging. It's Friday, 20th of October. From The Economic Times, I'm Kalpana Patak, and this is The Morning Brief. This April, 13 people died from an apparent heat stroke while attending a government award function in an open space in Navi Mumbai, Maharashtra. A month later, a 21-year-old pregnant woman from Dahanu in Maharashtra allegedly died of a heat stroke after walking to and from the hospital where she had gone for treatment. She was due for delivery in two weeks. Deaths caused by heat waves are high in India, as a rise in temperature leads to problems of dehydration and headaches. 
It can also worsen pre-existing conditions related to cardiovascular and respiratory systems. Extreme climate events like storms, floods, wildfires, and heat waves expose us to illnesses and injuries. According to the World Meteorological Department, in the last 50 years, extreme weather-related events have caused over 500 natural disasters in India, killing over 1 lakh people. Globally, the number of disasters is at 11,000, having claimed over 20 lakh lives. According to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change or IPCC report, climate risks are appearing faster and will be more severe. What's more concerning is that the frequency of such extreme weather events may rise manifold in India. Global warming is also moving the comfort zone of animals, insects and birds, forcing them to roam beyond their current habitats. Dr. Jaya Shridhar, a consultant with the World Health Organization and media health advisor for Internews, explains how So with global warming we're finding that mosquito habitats are extending outward from the so-called tropical regions towards the colder temperature and as their habitats increase the diseases they spread also go out of the tropics into the so-called temperate areas one of the worrying things that has happened with climate change is as you know there's been soaring spikes in uh, heat right so there's been a recent study which shows that as the heat goes up bat populations tend to increase and bats are a huge carrier of all sorts of viruses that do no harm to the bats but can be potentially lethal and harmful and disease causing for humans so preceding the covid-19 pandemic there have been rises in global temperature which has expanded bat habitats bringing them into closer contact with humans we're also seeing population movements that are brought on by climate change so we have climate change refugees displaced by flooding and earthquakes and natural disasters or drought and heat for instance that's affecting human health and mental health to assess the impact of climate change on physical mental and social health a study was undertaken in four villages of the kotkai town of shimla himachal pradesh residents of these four villages Bhavana, Kiyari, Kufarbagh and Jashla have over the past couple of years seen an increase in health ailments and a decrease in immunity due to decline in snowfall, record rainfall and an increase in temperature all because of climate change. The study was published in the Indian Journal of Development Research and Social Action in 2021. Most people in these villages said they have stopped raising cows due to lack of water. and are now dependent on milk in tetra packs which they believe has lesser nutritional value they've also stopped cultivation of apples as apple trees have become prone to a new array of diseases like scab headache and dehydration have become common among children there's an increase in anxiety due to changing weather pattern and cases of alzheimer's disease are on the rise added to this is the stress generated by water scarcity leading to altercations among villagers affecting their social bonds and impacting community health epidemiologist dr omesh bharti from shimla says he began witnessing the effects of climate change over a decade ago when he saw snow on the mountain peaks dwindling according to him these weather changes are leading to new patterns of disease in the state we are experiencing a 1 degree increase in temperature for the in the last two decades this has resulted in less rainfall and less snowfall 
So all these things are changing the pattern of disease, not only in sub-Himalayan region, but throughout the country. Say, for example, dengue. Earlier, there were not any cases of dengue in Himachal. But now, slowly, we are facing this dengue threat. I would say 15 years back, it was unheard that Krab typhus is some disease prevalent in Himachal. But slowly, cases started coming and they are increasing every season. So, this must be related to some environmental factors because this uh, changing pattern of disease in relation to changing environment, they need to be studied. So, when you say there are new diseases emerging and new patterns of diseases emerging, what are these? With increase in temperature, the humidity has gone down. And say, for example, in Shimla, now we are facing a epidemic of pollen-related allergies. Whether it is rhinitis, nose allergies, whether it is eye allergies, it is skin allergies. Because this drying of the air, now it's easier for the pollen to fly from one place to another for long distances. And they are affecting respiratory system, asthma. Earlier there used to be humidity, there used to be frequent rainfalls. Now even rainfall pattern has changed. You have seen July used to be continuous, slow. But now it is very heavy within a given time span. We are experiencing almost exponential rise in asthma cases and respiratory disorders because of these pollens. So now winters are becoming more dry and you know very cold. Earlier there used to be snowfall and that much cold didn't used to be there. So again this changing pattern of dry winters and very cold continuous like last year I think continuous around one and a half month there was less than zero temperature but no snowfall. So again that is leading people to, to be sick no? because there is, when there is no snowfall, then this dry air causes more damage than the humid air. These all changing patterns are really a worry for, for all of us. So I think this natural balance that has gone wrong now, that need to be understood and studied. I think consciousness has to be you know, raised over the people, over the environment and disease. We can't keep on looking at the government and government policies and then say, Doctor, how long is it taking for people to recover? What are the measures they are taking and anything that you are advising them to do so that they can be safe? They are wearing masks. We are telling them to wear masks and wash their hands and you know, face frequently, eyes frequently. If we see the history of those jaundice outbreaks during the 2007, then 9, then 15, these jaundice outbreaks are also related to rise in temperature and drying of the rivers and you know and mixing of the seaways. We have documented these outbreaks that how they are related to environment. The change in disease pattern is not limited to Himachal Pradesh, because rising temperatures favor disease vectors like mosquitoes, ticks, and fleas that spread vector-borne diseases. Dr. Chandrakant Laheria, an epidemiologist, says vector-borne diseases are spreading across geographies. We understand broadly that there are seasonal diseases, like, for example, in the rainy season, we see malaria or dengue or chikungunya. But we also know that when there is a change in the climate, when September is warmer than any previous September in the recorded history, which essentially means the duration of those vector-borne diseases is spread to additional time period. So one impact is it alters the pattern. Second, usually diseases were restricted to a geographical area, so endemic to a certain area, but if the climate change or the temperature is overall rising, 
they can be spread to wider area third thing we sometimes call certain diseases cyclical trend for example dengue they say every four year there is a rise in dengue so those kind of cyclical trends and what we are seeing now that uh, those cyclical trends are changing and more they are diseases are becoming more frequent there is a real life example two decades ago dengue was reported only from one state of india now dengue has been reported i believe like all states across the country so that's what is happening due to climate change but the recently emerging data is saying that uh, the diseases which were seasonal now are being reported across the year in certain parts of the world dr leria is climate change also responsible for new and emerging diseases climate change is a major contributor to emerging diseases every passing day we are closer to another outbreak or epidemic or pandemic than we were previously there are a wide range of reasons for this thing climate change essentially means pathogens can survive in additional populations in additional areas and that means they can infect additional populations then deforestation is another reason but deforestation essentially means the pathogens which are hidden in the forest which were not in the human contact comes into the human contact and that's why we hear a lot from africa that a lot many new pathogens emerge from africa because the rate of deforestation or the mining is very high so humans are exposed to those pathogens then of course high rate of high speed transmission like in today's world people can travel from one part of the world to another part in less than 24 hours which essentially mean pathogens also on that person's back along with that person can travel from one part to another part then fourth reason for emerging reemerging disease urbanization and the kind of living condition which which are overcrowded i am emphasizing this point because urbanization deforestation are interlinked so what is causing urbanization is also contributing to climate change also contributing to deforestation and also contributing reemergence and reemergence of disease so dr leria have you seen the profile of your patients uh, change over the years now we are seeing there is a lot more of the cases being reported than earlier and that's what we know from epidemiological data but clinical setting also for example flu these days can affect even a healthier adult population so clearly there is a change in the pattern of the disease and the population profile in fact a few days ago i was attending a patient who had a leptospirosis leptospirosis is not commonly reported but now it's being reported from different setting so what we are seeing and hearing in clinical practice we are attending the patient more number of patients are coming with common illnesses which were uncommon till a few years ago wider population age group is getting affected and newer diseases are being reported now which ideally should not be reported anymore so doctor who is more vulnerable to the effects of climate change is it pregnant women or the elderly or children one of the good part is that there is a lot of attention on studying the impact of climate change on human health in fact uh, i have been co-author of one of the study on impact of climate change on health of the children this study has been published in indian journal of pediatrics a few weeks ago where we have studied that what kind of impact uh, climate change can have on health of the children and what all intervention can be done to address those challenges what we have found that uh, there is not enough uh, data and detailed studies available but whatever studies are available from india and southeast asia they clearly outline that uh, in the settings where climate change uh, impact is worse uh, 
there are adverse impact on children in terms of their survival, in terms of their nutritional status, in terms of growth and development. So the impact uh, as uh, we are learning from emerging global evidence is lifelong. It's on learning abilities, it's on nutritional status, and of course, uh, increased need for hospitalization and uh, medical care. But the plight and challenges of women are not any different or elderly are not different because it's a part of the social ecosystem. Could you share the findings of the study with us? What we concluded as part of that study that multi-sectoral collaboration, multi-level interventions are necessary. And if you want to do that, you have to mobilize local and national resources to mitigate and prevent the impact of climate change. It also requires, like one of the key things which we have concluded as part of that study, that it requires not just opinion, but evidence-informed discourse on the topics. And these are localized. What happens, and this is from my personal experience, what happens then when we talk too general that what is happening at global level? It does not convince policymakers. But to convince policymakers, you need a local evidence. So there is a need for continuous evidence generation present and share that evidence with the policymaker. That, I believe, would help uh, in the preparedness and response from future uh, such challenges. Doctor, we know that it's crucial to limit uh, global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. But what if we exceed this limit? In April 2022, the scientific journal Nature published a study where researchers did a hypothetical experiment based upon some data that between 2020 to 2070, if global temperature rise by 1.5 degrees Celsius, there is a risk of approximately 15,000 new viruses, bacteria and other pathogens emerging. And they estimated that out of those 15,000, approximately 1,500 could have a potential to cause outbreak and epidemic. The researchers also concluded that majority of these emerging or re-emerging diseases would come from Asia and Africa. So the point I want to highlight and point that study also indicated that 1.5 degrees Celsius rise in temperature at the global level, put Asia and Africa, where majority of low- and middle-income people live, at an additional risk of disease. Every time we step out of our homes, we are at the risk of getting infected. Effects of climate change can't be reversed overnight. So can we take precautions and protect ourselves? I asked Dr. Jaya. So, even a small change may not be the answer, but it's part of the answer. You know, I think we have to make an effort. So for meat eaters who can't change fully to a plant-based diet or a whole grain diet or something like that, how about reducing the amount of times that you have a meat-based meal in a week? Reduce the market for meat products that will stop livestock farmers from having these huge, terribly inhuman farms where they're growing these the poultry and livestock in very confined spaces. And livestock farms by themselves are a major contributor to methane gases and and global warming. So depending less on your livestock and your poultry for your protein requirements and instead cultivating whole grain, you know, things like millets, for instance, or other kinds of plant-based diets and nuts. See if, you know, using your vehicle to drive to work every day, yes, but why not take public transport at least twice a week? 
to help cut down those emissions might help. If you are a cyclist and if there's a safe place for you to cycle, why not cycle to work? Uh, these are all mind shifts. These small things that people can decide to do on their own in order to refashion or recreate an ecology which is self-sustaining and better for health. So we have to make an effort, maybe not a radical shift or a change, although that would be an ideal, but we have to aspire for it, remember it, understand that if not our generation, maybe the next generation is going to reap the benefits of the good choices that we make today. The first alarm on global warming came in the 1960s from scientists. But by then, the world had fallen in love with fossil fuels. Despite repeated warnings, we are now struggling to contain Earth's temperature. According to the World Health Organization, the climate crisis puts at risk all the work that has been done over the past 50 years in development, global health and poverty reduction. Health expenses push around 100 million people into poverty every year. And climate change will only end up worsening this. And who will suffer the most? The poor, who have limited or no access to medical services. Even as countries look at climate change adaptation strategies, it's imperative they prepare to make the rise in demand for emergency medical services that climate change will bring. We also need a better surveillance and information system to fight infectious diseases. Dr. Omesh Bharti says that impact of climate change should not only be part of medical curriculum, but also school curriculum, so that awareness and mitigation can come early. Yes, reducing greenhouse gas emissions is the most cost-effective strategy to prevent health emergencies. But since it won't happen overnight, the ready solution within our reach is to prepare ourselves by making dietary and lifestyle changes to stay healthy and to keep our ecology thriving. That's it for today from me, Kalpana Patak. A big thanks to Dr. Jaya, Dr. Bharti and Dr. Leheria for their insights. This episode was brought to you by sound editor Amrit Reji and show producer Vinay Joshi. Executive producers Anupriya Nair, Anirban Chaudhary and Aurajit Barman. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, do share it on your social media networks. New episodes of the Morning Brief podcast drop every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. You can catch it on Amazon Prime Music, GeoSavant, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts and ET Play, which is ET's own audio platform. Have a great day ahead. <laughs>